Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. I am thrilled to have Danielle with us today. Danielle is an attorney with over 10 years of international legal experience in both the private and the public sector. And Danielle will, uh, is joining us for a conversation around diversity, inclusion, and anti-racism, given the current situation and how much we need those type of discussions right now for our understanding, for our learning, to listen, but also to figure out what are we doing right now in our own lives to to increase our awareness and just do more and do better going forward. Danielle, welcome to the Manager Track podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am really curious how this experience the last few weeks have been for you and sort of what is top of mind for you right now as you're reflecting on your own work experience and how you've experienced diversity and inclusion and possibly racism or discrimination in the workplace. Yes, I think this, this has been, you know, a necessary conversation for this country to have. And there have been minimal efforts in the past to kind of encourage diversity and inclusion, but luckily we have this period to really reflect a lot more than we may have in the past. And just from, from my personal experience, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of organizations say they want to focus on diversity and inclusion, but usually that just means increasing the number of people of color at the organization and not really a, a true investment in advancing people of color, both within the company and outside the company. So what you're seeing as sort of the, the missing gap, especially in the workplace, is in addition to focusing on diversity, is also to bring that into other areas of the organization. Of course, because, it, you know, a lot of companies and organizations have, you know, chief diversity inclusion officers or recruiting managers that will try to bring in people of color, particularly in certain situations, Black people. But once they actually enter into the company, there's no method of tracking their actual progress or their growth. It's kind of all for the actual numbers. And so then you have some small level of diversity in the entry level positions, but you don't have a true inclusion. Yeah. And that is probably even more so the problem because you're getting people in the door in the best scenario, right? That you have the diversity in, in, in the in the lower ranks or people who freshly join, but then once they're in, there's still no path of growth forward. Yeah, because if you, for, for many companies, they say they have an investment for diversity because they know that that adds to the value of their company. Well, if you have a company that focuses on diversity only and doesn't focus on inclusion, then you have a lot of the top policymakers a lot of the top decision makers end up still looking the same. Mm -hmm. Just for people who maybe not be so familiar with the terms, when you speak about inclusion, that really means the diversity across all ranks and that all processes and opportunities are inclusive and shaped around equal opportunities and making it a leveled playing field. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. From your experience as a black female 
as a lawyer and attorney in the legal space and you've worked across different organizations, what are some ways that you've noticed in your personal experience that there was maybe biases or, or even a little bit of discrimination at play? Yeah, especially more so in the beginning of my career when I would have to go to court. Uh, I, I would go into the court clerk and check in for a case and they would always say, oh, let me know when the lawyer comes. Because to them, I did not present the image of what a typical lawyer looks like. And I think it's one of those things that at first it used to bother me, but I just had to confront that that's, you know, that's how we sell things here. That's how things have been presented here. And it might not be the case where that person is trying to intentionally, you know, discouraging or disparaging, but just because when a lot of people have an image of a lawyer, they have a very specific image in mind of someone who is an older white gentleman. And so we have to change how we look at people and we have to change just our own internal thought process of how we view the world. Yes. Yeah, that is so good because that goes back to the not necessarily meaning bad, right? But then these unconscious biases still show up. And I think that's a lot of the work that we need to do, even if we have the passion for equality and and equal rights and all that. But then when we catch ourselves of, oh, I didn't realize she was the lawyer. And then hold on a second. Why wouldn't she? Like, why wouldn't she be the lawyer? What made me think that I have to ask her to tell me when the lawyer is here? Of course. And and some people, it just has become so, unfortunately, so ingrained in in society, especially here in America, that sometimes people don't take the time to stop and and do that self-reflection. Yeah. And so speaking of that self-reflection, you know, one of the things that... uh, I think it's important for us to talk about as, you know, the the audience here being leaders in the workplace is what can we personally do right now? Because something that you said to me earlier in our conversation before we started the recording, which I I found really profound is the decision to either be part of the problem or being part of the solution. And you make that choice. And when you're part of the solution, then, then that's an action, right? You're taking a stand, you're doing something to address it and to be part of the solution. So we're talking about reflection and reflecting on your own biases. What else do you think leaders can do, should be doing right now to elevate um, all of us and elevate the topic and anti-racism in the workplace? Luckily, we, we're having this specific time in America where, and all across the world because of the pandemic, where we do have that time to give a little bit more thought to how we can be part of the solution. And as we were talking about earlier, it it doesn't always necessarily have to be considered a grand gesture. You know, if if you have a platform in which that you can amplify Black voices, then that's wonderful. But it could be something as starting within your own family. Mm -hmm. If you're a parent talking to your children, there are now a good number of books that discuss race so Mm -hmm. that you're, you're changing how the, even the people around you, how they view race, then you're helping society progress. Yeah. And I think it's the taking a close look at what can I do in my own family, in my own, you know, in my own backyard with the people that I work with, my friends, the community to notice what are some of the, the biases that we have? How do we bring the topic of racism or discrimination to light and make it a conversation? 
and figure out what are different ways to help the solution. Yes, because you know, we're all a member of society and you know, we all have different strengths. And I think if you want to be a part of solution, it's just really a matter of looking at your strengths mm. and looking at where you feel you can best contribute. And for every person, it's going to be different. So there's not a one size fits all way to become part of the solution. It's really looking at your strengths and you kind of making that determination for yourself of where can I give the most impact? What can I do? If you have a position of leadership and you're able to affect change within a company, within the career of a Black person, even better. But again, you can start wherever you can, as long as you're being a part of the solution. I think that's what matters the most. Yeah, yeah. Beautifully said. And, and I actually think it shouldn't be all the same, right? Because we have to address the problem from all different angles and from the ground up. Um, and that starts with the children and the families and the communities and the education early on and movies and platforms and, you know, all, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of us use our strength and we um, have a good shot at really, really making a big leap forward. Um, exactly. During the, the coming times. So, the one thing that I hear from clients or from other people that I have conversations with is that they are anti-racist and that they're taking actions based on it. But a challenge seems to be that what do I say or how often have I observed myself uh, in a situation where I was a bystander and I didn't actually say anything? What can we do to get ourselves a little bit more comfortable to not just be responsible for our own actions and our own words and how we contribute to the solution, but also hold other people around us more accountable and reinforce that and speak up when something just doesn't feel right and, and sound right. I think the, the main thing to stop considering conversations about race as being these taboo, off the table kind of things that people, in a way, people think of it as something I shouldn't talk about. And I think it's the opposite. I think that the more that we talk about it, the more that it's discussed, the more we can get down to really what the problem is. And so I would treat people who might be saying something racist or kind of within that realm of racist the same way you would confront anyone who did something that was offensive to you. We need to stop considering it as a race as a wholly separate topic that can never be talked about. And I think once we can start having these discussions and as a bystander, call out if someone is saying something that you think is inappropriate, then we could start getting down to the solution. And, and that's where, you know, we can start seeing a little bit more change. That is so true. So if you think about it in the situation where someone else is saying something inappropriate about another discriminated group or minority and we would all call it out, but then with racism, sort of, we may be freeze or not sure what to say. And you're saying, no, it's actually look at it exactly the same way, go about it exactly the same way um, as if you would call out any other thing that sounds inappropriate to, an, to a minority group or a group with, uh, that's prone to discrimination. Or, or honestly, I think of it is anything that's offensive. I mean, if you are offended by anything, I think some people might feel this uncomfortableness because they feel as if, oh, well, I'm not Black. So if I'm not Black, then I 
can't be comfortable calling someone out if they're saying something racist, but I, I don't think that that's true. I think, you know, I think the example we were talking about before is if, you know, someone was making fun or having a joke about someone that's disabled, I would find that offensive. Even if I'm not physically disabled, I can still see, and it's very clear to me that that's not an appropriate thing to say. Exactly. And most of us wouldn't hesitate to speak exactly. up in that moment, right? And just do, treat, it, treat it the same way. And on the topic of being a bystander, I think something else that I've noticed, you know, working in organizations too, is we all have the opportunity to speak up. We don't need to rely on a head of diversity or inclusion to make changes. We can look in, inside of our team and say, hey, we're hiring this new position. How are we making sure that we're getting access to a diverse talent pool? Or we can say, how do we look at in our department? You know, we can bring this up to your boss and say, hey, I notice we are not as inclusive as we could be. Some of our policies are not inclusive. I remember this conversation once with a person who was working on the topic of perks. And she said that the company offers on-site haircuts in like a little van outside the office. And, you know, black people would say like, there's no way I go into someone's van to get my hair cut. And that was not an inclusive policy because that really very much applied to a white young man who had easy hair to be cut and everyone else would have to pay for their own haircuts because they couldn't go to someone's van to just get the haircut. And, and those are the little things that just leave us aftertaste. When people feel like that's not right, like you get your paid haircut and I don't. It's the little small things that I think as we're bystanders because we're seeing it, we may not say anything, we're part of it. We may feel like, well, it's the head of diversity and inclusion or I'm not in HR. This is not in my scope of responsibility. But what I'm taking also from the conversation we just had about this is no, we're speaking up when we feel like this is not right. It's not inclusive. You know, I'm noticing there is a lack of diversity or a lack of inclusion across the ranks then bringing it up, one, and two, figuring out and be part of the conversation on what to do instead to, again, be part of the solution. Yes, and I think, you know, you made a really great point in the sense that it's not even just about speaking up when you see something wrong or when you see something bad, but if you are a person and if you believe you work for a company that actually values diversity and you're a person that believes that diversity brings value, then it shouldn't necessarily be a difficult conversation for you to have. You, you would bring it up the way you would bring up something else that you thought would bring value to your company. If you thought, you know, if you thought your company could do X, Y, and Z, and that would bring value to the company, you would bring it up. And so diversity shouldn't, again, be seen as this taboo subject that all of a sudden now, even though I might think it would bring value, I'm just not going to say it because it's about race. Yeah, totally. I like the comparison because it's exactly the same thing. You notice there's an opportunity to bring value. And if there is a new market uh, that you could tap into or a new product or a new opportunity with a client to increase value, you would step up and you would say- You wouldn't hesitate. It, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't hesitate. hesitate at all. Not a second. No, exactly. No. You would go right at it. And it's the same thing. Diversity is increasing value. And so it's sort of all of our responsibility too, especially as leaders in organizations, to highlight those things and bring to light areas where the full value may not be reached. Exactly. Thank you for making that point. It's so important. 
Danielle, thank you so much for being on uh, this show today to have this conversation. Before we end, do you have any other final thoughts that you'd like to share with us on how we can be part of the solution in regards to racism, discrimination in the workplace? I think this can be a, a turning point for, for this society. And I think it all just starts with self-reflection and figuring out what you can do where you are right now. Mm. So even a small steps, whatever it is that you can do, big or small. It helps. Every it helps. little bit helps. And, and that's how things change. Things don't, they're not going to change overnight. And I think to kind of have this expectation that things are going to change overnight is not realistic. But mm. if everyone took an opportunity in this moment to think about what they could do, that in of itself would be so much more progress than we've seen in many decades. Yes, yes. I truly, truly hope we'll make that happen and to keep that momentum going, right? So that this wasn't just a moment in time, um, but this is the start of what's to come and much more progress to be made over the coming years that just got, you know, that fire just got lit, but we keep that fire burning for years to come. Yes, just the beginning. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for being on and sharing your experience and your insights and perspective with us here today. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.